today we have with us Kate Curley. Spell that last name for me. C-U-R-L-E-Y. That is such a silly way to spell that name. No, no. it's not. <laughs> Good answer. What's the, what's the origin, or, origin of that? It's actually Irish. Irish? Mm -hmm. Cool. Is that where your family is originating? I, yeah, I'm an Irish girl. You are? Mm -hmm. oh, I never even known that. That's yep. cool. Yep. You got the dark hair, I don't even notice the red. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh. my sister's a redhead. She is? Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Oh, how many siblings do you have? I have one brother and one sister. Are you the middle child? I'm the oldest. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, cool. And I actually, we're in Rochester. I spent just about every weekend here growing up Irish dancing. That's the cool thing. Irish dancing is big here in Rochester. It's big. Wow, that's so cool. So we got we got a connection here. I love it. Mm -hmm. So you are from Brighton, uh, sorry, Binghamton originally, is that correct? Yeah, born and raised. Sorry, we're jumping in this midstream right now. So she's joining us. Uh, we are going, we talk hemp industry. She has been part of the hemp industry in Colorado for the last four years. And before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about her background and see why she decided to go to Colorado to follow that fun plant that we call the cannabis plant. Um, so thank you very much. Now, Binghamton is where you're born and raised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, went to school at University of Binghamton, is that right? So I started at Broome Community College. I actually went down to Ori Georgetown for a year in South Carolina. That's the community college to Coastal. And then I came back up here and was in and out of different things, not being college. And then went back to Broome Community College, went to Binghamton University, and ended up graduating at the University of Buffalo. Excellent. That's where my son goes to school now, so I love that school. I love that school, too. We're uh, just in Buffalo today. Yeah. Oh, you guys were in Buffalo? Yeah. Albany, Buffalo, and Rochester in one day. No, Albany. Binghamton. Oh, Binghamton. Yeah. Okay. That's still, I mean, it's still hot. Yeah. Uh, Route 90, you think of it yet? We went the back route, which I actually, I mean, I'm sure I've been on yeah, that road at some 86? point. It was yeah, going 86? Up. Yeah, where I think I'm used to 81 mm -hmm. and going up that way. Um, that's why we're going to go back to. Yeah. But, yeah. So, do, so I've never done 86 from, what is that, Horseheads or, you know, yeah, Corning yeah, yeah. over towards Buffalo. How was that drive? Well, it was all, it was dark. It was we were, dark. yeah. Oh, it was this morning. Yeah. We, we left at 4.30. Oh, yeah. in the morning. Interesting. Because yeah. that's really rural down there. I mean, you're talking yeah. about Allegheny area. Yeah, you're talking well, like, we didn't really see much. It was literally, but I, I was surprised that the sun didn't come up until 8, but that's what time it was coming up. I could have sworn... He was like, you know, talking about where we are and on the planet. I'm like, but I lived here before. I don't remember it coming up so late. But <laughs> it is a weird time of the year, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's not the longest days or the shortest days. So yeah, it definitely cuts us short. Uh, and that daylight savings time. Yeah, yeah. Are, are we fans or not? I've never had this discussion before, but I hate it. Give me one time all I, I would personally love to have a worldwide time, and then you can just say, we're going to meet at 3 o'clock, whatever time of day your 3 o'clock is. That's weird, because on this side of the country, AM would really be PM, and PM would be well, like... You could do 24-hour time. And that's true. I guess you could do 24-hour time. Wouldn't it be weird, though, if you're waking up and you just have you wake up someplace and you're waking up at 5 p.m. every day, like it's because of the other side of the world, Earth? That'd be pretty mm -hmm. wild. So that was Aiden is also in the room. We got Aiden's in the room with us. He brought brought our wonderful guest to us today. So you can, may not be able to hear him, but he is communicating in the room with us. Uh, so for those of you who heard another voice, I apologize. I like to. And we don't have my co-host Robert Pye with us at the moment. So this is Sans Robert. Um, so uh, do you miss New York? I do miss New York. All my family is here. So 
Yeah, absolutely. I've been, I came back for like a 16 day vacay and it's been nice and I'm just like, yeah, I need to come back here more. Every time I'm back, I'm like, I need to be back here more. And you're in Denver regularly? Is that so right? I'm actually in Fort Collins right now. I moved out to Denver and then um, two years ago, I moved up to NOCO. So Fort Collins. Now, that is, don't they have a big hemp thing up there every year? Isn't that where the, there's, there's a big event up there every year, right? So it, it was in Loveland. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think, so that's the NOCO Hemp Expo. It's the biggest hemp expo out there. And that, I think it was year, well, it wasn't, year one was like in a bar. Um, but two through four were in Loveland, and then year five and six were... No, just six was in Denver. So, yeah, it's right. been, it was in Loveland. So I'm going to ask you a question that a lot of women don't like to ask, but I like doing it from perspective. You've been in, out there four years, so mm-hmm. was it post-college you went out there? I don't want to ask you exactly how old you are, but, you know, some women don't like that. But. Is that what you were asking me? Yeah, how yeah, old yeah. <laughs> so I'm 31. I'm 31. No, I, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not yeah. a, you know, some people that think it's a rude question. I like no. to give people perspective. So 31, yeah. so, you've, uh, so you had a good amount of time here. I'm trying to, next question I was going to ask you is, uh, the culture of Binghamton versus being in Colorado. Well, I don't know if you've been to Binghamton before, but yes, it's, it's a serious culture. Um, it is its own. It really is. Um, and it's a lot different from Colorado. There's not much diversity in Colorado, and it's definitely just a different vibe in general. Um, Binghamton does have a little bit more of that like hood, ghetto culture, irrespective of your wealth you've got like kind of like a little bit of like hood in you and you definitely don't have hood in you in Colorado I mean some parts are hood but for the majority it's pretty granola and when you say hood you're talking about just like tough like street smart like um just culture in general yeah um you know it's definitely got the connection to New York City um but even like so I'm I was home and I was like hanging with my little cousins and just like the slang and you know convo it's just like it's it's kind of it's just like ghetto (laughs) and it just reminds me of I've lost I think a good not a good amount I still have some of it in me but I've lost some of that um the linguistics I guess you could say Mm -hmm. that I held when I was here that's funny maybe I'm a little bit more proper now when I speak (laughs) Well, I, you know, I find just the people you're around, like, even if I work with a different group of people, all of a sudden, you, you bring in some of their linguistics with you, like, you don't even realize it's some yeah. of their vernacular and, and maybe their tendencies, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you want to be a puppet or a mimic, but it just kind of happens to make totally. people comfortable together, right? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, but you said now that coming back for the, for the holidays, you, you miss it. What's, what do you miss here the most? Um, probably my family, just being around. So when I moved to Colorado... I had never been there before and I literally didn't know one person. So it was a huge leap into this unknown world. And while it was amazing to be in a, you know, I felt like I was like in the middle of a circle of people with open arms in the cannabis community. Like that was crazy. Had nothing even close to that when I was here. Um, but I, um, yeah, I don't have, you know, I've made friends. I have a boyfriend, but in regards to, like, the type of 
love and like um, backing that you get from your family. There's nothing like that. So when I'm here with all my family for multiple days, it's just it's a boost in like who I am and you know where where I'm headed and where I'm from and all that. It's it's like really healthy for me. So I think it's healthy I mean, for everybody. Yeah. I miss, yeah, I miss my family. I have a new niece. She's a little over a year old, and we're all obsessed, including me. And um, being with her is like just being with a kid and being present and not and just looking at life in their eyes. It, that's like, that's amazing too. I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I just, I've recently enjoyed my first holiday season with my grandson and my, my daughter and my grandson and my son-in-law just moved back in town mm-hmm. and just being around him and then seeing my, and, and we have lots of kids in our family, so it's not, we're not void of kids, mm-hmm. but that new energy of a baby, yeah. even when you have a lot of kids around, yeah, same, it's amazing yeah. that my whole family was like mush with that baby mm-hmm. on Saturday. It was the first time they really got to see him and it was really cool to see like their interactions with him and his with them. Like yeah, yeah. here he is around 50 people of a family he hasn't even seen yet and he is bright eyed and yeah and you know i mean your niece probably the minute she saw mm-hmm. you because you've been facetime and everything yes, right yes. so she saw you live and you were like yes Daddy. yeah we love each other so much oh, it's so, so cute cool. and how bad did you spoil it for christmas um i i wouldn't say i went overboard i did the best i could do yeah. i got her so she's she was a year in september and i got her it's a Frozen 2 sing and ride quad. So one of the like motorbikes. She didn't go out of the What are you, are you kidding me? I'm like, tell you something. I was waiting for you to tell you, you got like a $10 gift card. Well, my, my brother got her a trampoline and like a piano set. And so I was like, oh, I guess we're like getting a little competitive about this. Good to know. But yeah. Your niece is going to be loving you too. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's, uh, yeah, I, now that you like, I'm in the situation. I'm like, oh, I will spoil you all day. Like, I have no problem. Until you have your own, and then it'll be like, holy smokes! <laughs> <what I> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. That's so fun. So, uh, Colorado being away from family, let, let's talk about. Obviously, we like to talk about the hemp industry. Uh, so, let's talk about what drew you out to Colorado. What you did when you first got there, and kind of what you settled into. Yeah, I'd love to hear that story. So, I graduated from UB University at Buffalo with a speech and hearing science degree. Um, my intention was to go on and get a doctorate in audiology. Once I was in school, I realized that I could do exactly what I wanted to do with a bachelor's and um, a certification in hearing aid dispensing. So after my bachelor's, I it was really um, a very lucky situation that I um, fell into. I so I had a sales background, you know, I was in and out of school. I'd done other things. I was in the city at some point. Um, and you know, I mentioned I was down in South Carolina. So I had sales in a background and had this education and a mom and pop joint in Syracuse had just sold to kind of the corporate hearing industry. And they're like, we're going to try something different here. We've had only audiologists this far, but we're going to give a position to a hearing instrument specialist and see if she can maybe kill it in sales and, you know, put a little fire into the audiologist bums. And that's exactly what happened. And um, it was great. And it was also really hard. And I totally drove myself to um, the point of me just like, okay, just I'm going to drop everything. Um, 
So it was corporate world, and like I said, I drove myself there. And when you're in sales, like you don't want to go backwards. So I'm like, this is amazing. I'm giving the gift of hearing to people. It's like incredible. There's, I can't even explain the high that you get from that. But being yeah, you're changing people's lives in a positive way. Yeah, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still super passionate about it and very connected to it. But um, being in an office all day, every day, I was like, there was just this thing inside of me. My conscious was like more like that you have so much more to do and there's just like this different energy that you need to tap into so it was like i quit one day basically i love how you said it came from your consciousness mm-hmm. there's a lot I, I i feel like i'm an empath in some ways i take a lot of other people's emotions and, and problems and i'm always looking to help other people um i don't know if i'm officially an empath but it's funny you say from a conscious level because I know I made a decision a year ago that really came from the subconscious yeah, place. Yeah, and it was. It was just, it was really hard. You know, we were, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, so I, yeah, never been to Colorado, didn't know in person, but I saw, like, it just, it seemed healthy. It was just like I was being called there, so I literally just went there. And going from corporate world, making great money, to entrepreneur world, making no money like I don't even know how I'm gonna get a penny tomorrow to like like it was crazy for the switch I thought I was you know super business savvy and had quote-unquote been in sales previous but when you're on your own and you're in a state that you don't know anyone and like it was just it was a really hard couple few years like getting in and I was working with cannabis startups and hemp startups and you know it's a shit show it's like now were you doing anything trimming for guys i mean what kind of i did yeah i did a lot of different things um helped out with harvest and yeah the trimming and you know just underground jobs where it's like okay you'll get paid like and within the week and then you never get paid just like so many crazy different jobs but it was always trying to stay in the cannabis industry and figure out all these you know different um niches and like what do I really want to do um and of course I had amazing offers you know presented like yeah come here and do this and we've got this for you and it would fall through and you know it's a hemp and cannabis industry uh, but learned a lot through that and so yeah my ambition uh, kind of originally going out there was like okay can I take the hearing aid concept and do that with marijuana so am I going to go to homes and give people marijuana I still wanted that connection with people like geriatrics I'm just very passionate about that Uh that didn't really happen at all Um, I was in and out of kind of marketing and sales startups and um, a tv show and all these different things but um, so the money signs that were in my eyes when I was moving out there for the marijuana industry really almost immediately dropped and I jumped into the community, and it was a community of advocates and activists and lobbyists and people that are going to the courtrooms and, you know, providing bills and legislation to push um, safe access and, um, you know, a budding industry. <clears throat> and I, um, yeah, so I was like, okay, I need to, like, step up and be a community member. And from there, I really started getting on social media and being more vocal and not hiding anymore. Um, and so... And how was that taken by your family originally? Um, so I was telling Aiden this on our car ride today. Like four years ago, my mom says that our, like what I always said I was doing when I wasn't at the house, 
was I was at I was at Wendy's, which is weird to me because I don't like go to Wendy's. I'm like. I don't really remember that mom, but she's like, no, you always said you were in the drive-thru at Wendy's, but I knew you were out smoking weed or whatever. And it wasn't really accepted. And then um, it's now accepted. <laughs> Wendy's. It's now accepted. Like my mom has my back and... Um, now, so did it take conversations or has it been society changing has eased her a little bit? Both. Uh, my mom sees my work on social media so she's learning about the plant and sees my passion and she's just got my back so she's like okay like you know you've like I trust you and she again like she sees all this as education so she understands what's going on mm -hmm. um, but does she get to the point now where she would recommend a CBD product or a tea oh yeah she takes CBD it? herself okay, okay. and um, there's kind of just been this thing within like the community of our greater friends in the family that now, um, you know, try and get access to medical marijuana for Parkinson's or anxiety, whatever it is. That happens now, and it was definitely, you know, gradually happening as I was becoming more vocal. Um, and so I really quickly and well early in um, had this desire to tap into the other side of the industry, which was the industrial hemp side. Very different group of people. Uh, when you walk into a room of hempsters, most of the people in that room are like, how do we take the plant and change the planet? It's not about making a dollar. Um, the CBD industry, it's definitely com like coming in. How do I make a dollar? A lot of people are coming in just for that. Mm -hmm. But back then, four and a half years ago, it was still, you know, pushing for legislation to federally legalize hemp. But also, um, so many pioneers back then were just still getting started. And a lot of the brands that are huge today were still like brand new. Um, so I, I was there at a point where it was a turning point before cannabinoids and CBD really took off. Um, and that, you know, that was kind of the speaking point and the marketing point of the industry, of the hemp industry was like, CBD, CBD. Um, and so I, you know, I went to some hemp events and I remember being handed a hemp business card and I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. And someone handed me um, a flower pot that was made out of hemp. And um, I was just like, the, you know, it was industrial uses. And they again, they were different people than I was seeing in the marijuana industry. And I, not that like one was good and one was bad because they're all incredible. Um, but it's definitely a different industry. And, you know, you've got in the marijuana industry, I was a lot of my friends um, that my first friends in the cannabis industry were moms, canna moms. So they're fighting for their kids' lives through medicine. So it's different than hemp, industrial hemp, where we're talking about textiles and fibers and all that. But I was really interested in hemp. And um, I just started going to more and more hemp events. I went to the No-Go Hemp Expo. I saw... I'll never forget my first NOCO Hemp Expo, um, Mark Linde with Green Spring Technologies. He was um, in the process of making the hemp pen with his 3D printer, and I was like, a pen? And I just thought it was the most amazing thing watching a pen being created out of hemp. And then so just all these different industrial brands, and I really just fell in love. So it was a 3D printer with hemp-based... Materials. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's mm -hmm. cool. I didn't know they had that. That's oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 
and awesome. yeah and so i just really became more and more interested the whole history of hemp is so incredible to me all the way to, from you know slavery to dupont to the next billion dollar crop advertisements to victory for hemp um i was really like fascinated by that and so continued to just be pulled in that direction where I found out more and more of the history and then leading into agriculture. And I mean, I could go on for hours about this, but I was really pulled by industrial hemp. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a supporter of the whole plant. It's all cannabis. Um, but when you, when I'm out there, um, speaking about like my passions and, and you know, where my focus is, it's usually around more of the industrial side of things. And that's good because we need someone in all, all, all venues yeah. of the plant, right? And the last time we had Aiden on, he was talking about different things that, that his company was doing to make changes. And, it, and it's basically he needed more people on the industrial hemp side of it, right? Oh, yeah. More people to grow the industrial hemp for a lot of people are moving down to the CBD and the CBGs and the THC, right? <laughs> the CBG through the CBG app, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> CBG. What would you take on CBG so far? No, I mean, it's a cannabinoid. I mean, like, I saw it coming. It's, uh, yeah. It, it's, uh, I think it's good because right now, the average person out there that's being introduced to cannabis via an Oreo, a new CBD Oreo, or Ben and Jerry's Oreo, or a CBD ice cream, these are hitting consumers that would never have broken through the cannabis wall, and mm. now they are because of CBD is now in their Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Um, it's not out yet, but they're saying they're going to do it. And so... Are they waiting on the FDA? Uh, I think so. They're right. just... Yeah. And so... Um, See, I can't wait for this to come out and all that to happen because then maybe all this built-up supplies of isolate and distillate out there will start to get consumed again. And because right now it seems like those prices have all, the floors mm -hmm. have dropped out of the bottom. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right now because yeah. of the FDA, right? We're all waiting. We're all on edge with the FDA. Right. And I've talked about before. Now, from your perspective, do you or any of your people you see out there thinking about the FDA at all as far as product creation? You guys talking about it all? Um, in regards to product creation, not so much. I think, I really think, especially in Colorado, it's so advanced. You know, I would say it's the number one state in hemp and cannabinoid hemp. And so the players out there that are established and, you know, the the people behind those brands really are dialed in to the industry and know what's happening and, um a good portion are very much involved where they know what's happening before it's announced. Mm -hmm. So treading carefully and understanding that obviously regulations and compliance are, you know, the number one back pain in everyone's hemp and cannabis business. So I don't think so. I think it's more of like, fuck off. We're going to do what we want. Um, you can't, you can't, you're not supposed to be really telling us what to do. And they're coming out with really ridiculous claims right now. So I think they've always just been calling out for war. And recently they were like, oh, okay. But the, you've got the whole USDA um, situation going on as well. And they actually just extended mm -hmm. that um, time frame where you can put in comments. The open forum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, And that's yeah. good to know because really we need to have more people giving them information to, to make this an Absolutely. decision. Because I really think it, it should be on the head of the processors to mm -hmm. mediate this THC. 
to me, that seems to be the biggest hang-up right now. The what? It's whether you're going to have the farmers not produce plants that are hot, or or you get plants that are slightly hot, and the processors can remediate that in their stream. Oh, or raise the limit, which is really what or, should be done. Or raise the limit. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. I that's mean, point that's what really about. needs to be done. But is that really going to get done before there's more research determining what point three is, point five is, point well, seven that, is the reaction, that, right? That's I mean, the point. Is why is it point three? It's an arbitrary. Oh, I agree. Bullshit number. So why you know keeps trying to keep it at point three? It's only making troubles and suppressing and I wish instead of all this, they would actually do more studies on point three, point five, point seven and the, how people react to that to know what it really should be as as the delineation mark between psychoactive and not. Yeah. Right. I mean that's truly in my mind if we want to do this right and stay regulatory, because we do want to be regulatory, we don't want to yeah. be wild west, right? So my opinion is that maybe unless we you're going from home. You can do whatever you want. No, that's right. Absolutely. And then you're going to grow things that, that you like and works well for your body, yeah. hopefully. And you're not just going to grow to grow. But in, in the CBD world, I feel like um, there's still not much to know. And we don't have enough studies in the U.S. I wish they'd throw this money at that instead of this litigation back and forth about USDA, FDA. Let's just all make some studies together and learn together and then put it out there for everybody. Um, yeah, well, um, I know. I'll nobody just, wants to make things easy, so... Easy uh, and out for everybody to learn together, right? That it seems like in this industry um, we're winning in the uh, court of public opinion, but we're losing the behind-the-scenes battle still with the regulatory uh, yeah, authorities. Yeah, I'm optimistic in the sense where I've just seen so much push and success. Um, I mean, even the farm bill being passed. I I just feel like. The industry has come this far, and they're definitely not going to step down. I think, yeah, I just see the power of the people, and I, I'm very optimistic. I'm not concerned. This is not an industry that PepsiCo and Chase Bank are going to take over. Like, it's really You're not. Right. You're right. Um, because this is the industry that's overturning all that shit, and we're creating a healthier, holistic planet. I agree with that, and I'd love to hear, we talked about this earlier about bringing it up again, uh, Bucky Bakes told us in our, in our previous podcast you know, about Asia and how they really started bringing strains from over to there, because they've only been doing um, the industrial stuff, like you've been saying, that's really where they've been doing is, is the, uh, the hemp for, for products, um, and now they're looking to bring American CBD products over to Asia, what we're seeing, so to me, that's, that's beneficial to us when it's usually been the opposite. They're not mm -hmm. importing much from us. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of nice to hear that they may want to import something from us that we may be in the lead on. Yeah, you mentioned that. I'll have to look into that because I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, not, I mean, but based on what you're saying, it's like, okay, I could see that. It, it, uh, just piggybacking the information we learned, I, I learned individually from Bucky, it matches, which was funny, because I really, uh, you know, listened to Bucky and what he was talking about with, you know, talking to different countries out there, I didn't realize that was really the case where they were that far behind over there. Um, so I think it's intriguing. I, I, and whatever you learn, please make sure you pass on to me, because I want to make sure we get this information out there, because I would love for us to be on Asia and something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Asia's what started 2000, thousands of years ago they had the cannabis plant and, and mostly for like you said the industrial uh, they also have richer tinctures there that, that's why the rate of cancer is down there they've been using tinctures for, for cancer patients in Asia for a long time especially in China uh, I learned that from Bucky um, but 
I'd like to know as much more as we can because they're ahead of us in education, they're ahead of us in so many different ways, production, manufacturing, I'd love to us be ahead in something, it would be nice. Yeah, we just need to get rid of Trump and <laughs> we don't have to go there. No political nonsense, yeah, yeah. You, know, be, you know, we could sit here and say Trump, uh, and I will just bring up to everybody that the reason why the, Demo the um, New York State does not have a rec policy right now is because the Democrats in fighting within the state, which had nothing to do with Republicans. So um, when I talk about politics, I think it's more about people's individual needs and, and power and, and greed versus a Republican or Democrat, you know, anything. I just oh, think. same, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's um, too many individual people. And also, just so you know, recently we've learned that three of the state senators here, Republican candidates, are not seeking re-election this year. That is the first time I've been in uh, journalism here since uh, 1992. Um, I've never seen a power vacuum like this ever um, in, in this state, and let alone in this Rochester alone right now, we're losing three of our current state senators. They're not re-election. Um, Joel Robach, we heard, is not seeking re-election. Rich Funky's not seeking re-election. And the gentleman that's between Buffalo and Rochester, I forget his last name off the top of my head, he's not seeking re-election either. Um, and part of it is because the Republicans in the state do not feel the Democrats are allowing it. There's nothing getting done, and it's and they they think it's the Democrats, and they don't feel like they can get anything done there anymore. Is what one of the three of them kind of we've heard. Hmm. It's a huge power vacuum. Hmm. Like that's three spots that like anybody can own those seats right now. Um, and I know the cannabis industry was probably a piece of that because the Democrats from upstate downstate couldn't decide where the taxpayer dollars went, and that's why the legislation in New York State is the root of why it didn't pass. Nothing else. So the politics always seems to get in the way. Yeah. Uh, but aside from politics, let's talk about the good things that you've seen over the last couple of years. And what, um, where do you see yourself in the next couple of years within the industry yourself? Like, yeah. do you have goals for yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, so I've seen a lot of amazing things in this industry and that's why there's a lot of hardship of course even just watching it and being part of the community you can you feel those vibes and and um, emotions that other people are going through but you know as we just just discussed you know I watched the farm bill being signed on December 20th, 2018. Like, that was crazy. I love that she remembers the date right off the top of her head. Yeah, I remember the... big deal. Yeah, I remember everything about that day, actually. Um, you know, it was a big moment. I remember prior to that what was going on, um, you know, the whole lame duck session and all that, and uh, uh, McConnell signing with the hemp pen. These were all, like, really major things in my brain to, like, watch go down in history. Mm -hmm. I've also watched bills be passed in Colorado with cannabis, um, you know, the psilocybin, dec decriminalizing psilocybin in Denver was so glad you brought that up. pretty yes. amazing. It's huge. Um, yes. Super historic. I mean, there's so much. I, I, I find some of my most amazing times, too, is it's usually at these conferences, but sitting back and listening to pioneers that have been in the game for 40 plus years and just everything that they've gone through and these little ideas of how to create something and just how far along it's come when you sit there and listen to their stories i mean it's just like wow i'm alive during this time um i didn't think i'd see in my lifetime to be honest yeah yeah I and i was hoping but and then just some really cool products you know super innovative um 
there's a lot of different companies that are doing really cool things industrially with the plant. There's people that their cancer has been removed. You know, you just, you know, as we were talking earlier, you, you were like, oh, they're, you know, everyone has these, not everybody, but a lot of people have these stories of their life or someone that they know that has been completely healed and helped dramatically with the cannabis plant. So I've seen a lot of amazing things. Um, and then, you know, you could talk about soil too. Soil remediation, like the plant can do so much. Um, myself, She's I... She's done all my last 20 episodes. I love it. Keep going. I what? You're, you're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> you're backing a lot of our previous points. So oh, cool. You're great, yeah. Um, so... For myself, as I mentioned to you, I am, you know, involved in the media side of things, and I've been working quietly for a good amount of time on um, the the right approach. Is it going to be Amazon Prime? Is it going to be Hulu? Um, I have I love connecting with like what I was just saying, like OGs in the hemp industry that just have so much knowledge. And also people that you can just sit down and talk to about regenerative agriculture and the whole farming system and how this can really easily be overturned with hemp, like on every level. Um, just going to all these people throughout the world, you know. If I could go to Flexmod over in the Netherlands, and um, I believe that's where they are, and, you know, look at their technology, have these things on screen, basic one-on-one, and talk to people about it. It's so cool and it's so educational and it's not anything stoner-esque. Um, so I've been working on that and we are filming our first um, episode actually this Wednesday. We're going to see Steve with CNY Processing in Syracuse. He's got a decorticator. So that's a goal is to really launch that series. Um, decorticator. That's what? It, it uh, separates two fibers. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of different things that can be done with it in different ways that can be separated. Um, and so, yeah, we're doing the video on that, but the series is hemp and cannabis in general. And then, um, I am working on another, uh, project that has to do with the fiber side of things that I really, um, have not spoken publicly about yet, but I will be soon and hopefully, come august 2020 i'm like i've got samples or i've launched i've really got high ambitions for that and it's something that i've been r&d for a while so, so your own product like mm-hmm. yeah on the fiber side mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. um and i had told you a little bit ago as well when we were talking that i'm launching a shop in january it's a curated shop um there's going to be a lot of healthy holistic type of products it will hone in on the industrial space more from hemp doggy clothes to a mushroom face mask all of my favorites and recommended products are going to be on that site it's all affiliate style so you're doing the website in a um brick and mortar no it's e-commerce okay it's just website Uh Mm uh-huh and it will probably i mean never say never who knows what will happen but for right now that's definitely and it's affiliate style Mm -hmm. so um. Yeah, I won't even really be dealing with fulfillment. When you say affiliate style, what you'll have people under you that are selling the products. Is that what you mean? So how that will work is you'll click on a product, and it will take you to that product's website. So that company brand 
will be the fulfillment. That's mm-hmm. where you pay. That's customer service. So I'm, yeah, just I'm, yeah, I'm just a resource for trusted brands. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's mm-hmm. a great idea. Yeah, and I mean that started especially this early in this industry. Yeah, it's huge. And that really started. I every day people ask me, "Hey, where do I get this? This? This?" Mainly, it's about the hemp oil, the CBD. What are the trusted brands? Mm-hmm. Um, so it really started there. Are you staying educated as to where you can sell, where you can't sell, passing that information on people too, like as far as states, which which ones are pro and con? Yeah, CBD? but again, I'm just a resource, so I'm not selling anything. No, no, that's I'm just curious about how much education you're passing along. I guess is where I'm. Um, I wouldn't. There. There's so much information every day. I'm, that's yeah. What I'm too is how do you keep abreast of all the changes? Yeah, um, it's not going to be, there's going to be education there, and I'm sure there will be some touches on that, but it's not going to be a main focus of like, this is where it's legal, this is where you you know you can't get it. Yeah, no, it's going to be for people to figure out. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's why I'm not going to like, I'm not customer service. So call the company of the hemp oil that you're interested in, and they will let you know where you, you know, you are, can you get it? It's a it's a needed feature in this industry. The education to me, everywhere I'm talking about, we all know that there needs to be education out there. Oh yeah. To make sure people understand uh, how how this plant can impact your body, whether it's putting a, a shirt on or whether it's take consuming something, um, and, and figure out what the best way to do that is, and maybe what else to keep out of your system. Yeah, I mean, so Aiden and I, before we got here. Um, as we had said, we went to go eat, and before we did that, we were at Starbucks, and we're sitting next to a family that's talking about the delinquent in their family. It's like it sounded like the young son who was having some mental issues, and the dad and mom and sister are sitting there talking, and you know, it's all because of the weed. He sits in his, in his home and smokes weed all day, and da da da. And I'm like, that's probably the only thing keeping him sane. And you think it's right? Oh, it was oxycodone. And he does, yeah. Yeah. And but it's not the oxycotton. It's the weed. It's the weed, and that he's quote unquote does all day long, and it was like wow. With all the education out there, with all of the things that people talk about with opioids, Major League Baseball just took cannabis off of its list of banned substances. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, first Major League sport to do that. Oh. I just put it on Instagram a, couple, a week ago. Uh, and it was amazing to me, America's pastime was the first, and they're the most blue blood of all the sports. I thought NBA would be ahead of them. I really did. But Major League Baseball, but do you know what they did with that, though? The better part of it yeah. is now they have opioid testing, but they're not going to suspend their players. They are going to put them through a rehab process to get them off opioids. Well, that's great. Right? So no suspensions. Yeah. Weed is taken off the table completely, and opioids now are going to be addressed immediately. But people are still sitting in Starbucks, even though Major League Baseball has figured it out. We still have a family sitting in Starbucks that really doesn't get it. Oh, there's families all over the world that don't get it. Um, it's it's just sad. Yeah, and I think I don't even know if I really answered your question earlier because mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of it now. You asked me about CBG, and I do think mm-hmm. it's these mainstream cannabinoids that are helping really open up the conversation. Like I was saying, the Ben and Jerry's, and so while it's a bit annoying and we're straying from what the plant can do, and we're talking about one little tiny cannabinoid. Um, it is helping helping with the conversation. So CBG is going to do that too. It's going to be like, wait, what? There's another? Oh my gosh, CBG, CBG, CBG. I'm so glad you're saying that because that is to me is the best as well because you're talking about, um, well, first of all, there's a big debate about how many cannabinoids are in this plant. 
is there 110, is there 152, is there 180? Is there, I've heard all these numbers, I've 152, I don't know what number it's you It's actually 10,000 now. Oh, 10,000. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you're right with that, so it's like it goes. But what we know is the chemistry of this plant, we still don't know everything about. But when we talk about CBD, or we talk about CBG, or we talk about THC, everybody, listen to this. That's three of the cannabinoids of the many in this plant, and the beneficial of the fiber. Like, like folks, this conversation is way bigger, mm-hmm. way more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you seeing for yourself personally? Do you like uh, full spectrum, broad spectrum? I, I love talking to people about CBD and you know, and THC. What I don't know what you like to admit to that you use, don't use, but CBD. Like, how have you found to help your your life? Yeah, so I know that there has been some proven value in isolate, um, and there are brands out there that have created these products for specific reasons and a really quick story is I have a girlfriend that has a brand um, she's in South Carolina and her daughter has a uh, negative reaction to THC so they heard that this could help with her seizures and they gave her full spectrum or maybe they mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what they gave her at the beginning I think it was probably full spectrum and it was triggering the seizures more they removed the THC and she was it was now starting to help so there are people out there that thc is messing with their body versus helping so i totally think there's value to isolate i think there's value to broad spectrum um i prefer and i recommend full spectrum you've got the entourage effect i want all the phytocannabinoids cannabinoids i want all the goodness inside of that oil and as little as possible being pulled out Um, I'm even considering, so my boyfriend's mom has been going through a tough time. She's got COPD, she's got stage four cancer, and we've really been starting to more than ever look into um, Rick Simpson oil, Phoenix Mm -hmm. Tears, Mm -hmm. and since I've really gotten a real grasp on that and what it's doing, you know, these little tears, um, you think about full spectrum, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, so I might even start taking RSO, just little, you know, a little drop every day, um, because that's what I'm doing. A full spectrum. That's why I'm doing it. Can you tell people what, what the Rickson fluid is? I just learned about it myself in the last couple months. So what you know, I'd love for you to pass on to people. Yeah, this is a, it is a, it's a good thing. I, I haven't heard any negatives about it. Which mm-hmm. is crazy. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you've got the cannabis plant, <clears throat> and you're extracting, and that's what is extracted is the Rick Simpson oil. So um, it's it's not flour, but it's an extracted oil with THC in there where you can kind of think about that same thing with what full spectrum is. Again, it's the cannabis plant you're extracting. Um, you're not pulling out anything else out of there. It's just the variation of THC that we call hemp or marijuana. And so it's basically like a full spectrum marijuana uh Extract mm-hmm. material. No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Where do you think? Um, where do you think it's going now? You're in Colorado. I'm here in New York. I see a little wild west here, but I also see that legislation may come through that could be good for everybody. You're, the industry so far. Are you, are you in a good place personally? With where you're at, where you see it's going? Yeah, I mean, I'm in a good spot, and I've kind of placed myself this way through struggle and figuring out what's going on because I'm on the media side, so irrespective of what happens, there's going to be media and news, there's going to be advocacy, and like we said at the beginning of this, when you're passionate about the plant, you like you never, you don't turn your back, like you're in it for life. So, yeah, I, I'm not really concerned. I don't have a CBD brand, and I'm, I'm not worried about regulations and compliance. 
I do think, <clears throat> so even two years ago, when I would hear pioneers say, you know, it's going to be five years, seven years, ten years, I'd be like, no way, like, we can do this, like, we can really get money in here, and in two years, in three years, we can have these huge industrial hemp processing facilities, and there's going to be hemp textiles being done like large scale here and now that I'm really understanding I'm like oh god no like we're we're a while out and it's going to be I think it's going to be some serious down and up and just figuring things out I think that I hope not but it's very possible that some legislation is put into place where it really sucks and the community is going to have to fight really hard to get it changed <clears throat> so I think there's just going to be a lot of ups and downs ups and downs mm -hmm. But, um, okay, so I got a question for you. So yeah. you're happy in the, the textile side of it. I learned from my last years of the post office as a sales rep that you can't, yarn is not made in the U.S. anymore. Yarn is not made in the yeah, hemp you yarn? Can't, no, any yarn. Oh. You can't get, there's no yarn, there's nobody that makes yarn anymore. Hmm. You have to go to China to get it. You, there's not even a place to get a machine to make yarn. Like, it That's is, very interesting. Learned that, so and I've learned that about two and a half years now. Uh, to the point where the biggest yarn dealer here used to make it herself out of her home in Brighton. Nope, she gets it all from overseas. Oh, wow. There's none created in the U.S. right now at all, zero. How do you see this as maybe being able to rekindle an industry here that's dead? Yarn? And so what was yarn? Was it cotton? Yeah. It was made out of cotton, yeah. and now it's... It's all done is, overseas. Is there a reason why? Just pricing? It's okay. all money. Yeah. It's all money. Well, first I want to <clears throat> I want to say, because I was just saying, like, it's going to go up and down, it's going to go up and down. Yeah. I think there are going to be extremes in different ways, but I also do think that as things progress next month, next year, there's going to be, there's a lot of money that's starting to come in, and it's not just CBD anymore. People are definitely starting to see the value in, you know, we were talking earlier, dual, dual crops, tri-crops. Um, the fiber side of the things, food, grain. Trying to make money off of every piece of the plant through the whole process. Yeah, mm -hmm. and money is definitely coming in. And so even if people are just trying to make a dial dollar off of the fiber side, it's actually creating the industry. Mm -hmm. It's, it's um, you know, bringing in machinery and trial and error and research and all that. And so I think it's going to be hard. There's going to be ups and downs in certain ways, but it's really, it's going to expand. It's... It's gonna be the next corn. Yeah, I agree. And so your question to me before that, before I had to You're, go backtrack, because you never know, people, you know, you gotta watch yourself on these things because you might say something that you don't really mean and someone will, you know? So I just gotta be clear. You're good. <laughs> I'm ready to do it. Um, but you said, what was your question? Which one? You said you were going back to one. Yeah, well, yeah. what was your question? Your most recent question. My most recent question is, uh, where do you see yourself in the industry? You kind of went with how you see it, but where do you see yourself in the next couple of years within the industry? Like, like, do you see yourself as being just the owner of that retail store, or do you see something bigger for yourself, or do you see yourself more as an educator? Um, I do see... My, I see, yeah, myself as an educator, an advocate. I see myself becoming more comfortable with um, my place on the plant because it is there is a little bit of an internal struggle being um, being a hemp advocate and being on the, in the hemp industry where there's a lot of like um, 
health and wellness and even hemp brands that look at the marijuana industry as like shame shame like you stoner so it's hard to be authentic and real mm-hmm. where yeah I smoke I consume cannabis and yes I'm also like respected in the hemp and wellness industry they're like you know it's like it's yeah. two different spaces so I see myself kind of becoming more comfortable with that and um not yeah and everything kind of integrating and this yeah the media brand going well and really communicating and getting good education out there and hopefully making a huge impact with that education and bringing more money into the people that need it in the fiber side of things what advice would you give to someone who wants to get in this industry whether in New York or Colorado um my advice would be to just jump in because people will ask me all the time how do you get in the industry and it's like if you are already asking me that question then you are in the industry you just aren't necessarily connected to you don't even know that you're connected but you probably are in some way um yeah if you've got a passion for the plant you're in the industry you know you're part of the 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 cannabis culture yeah and you're contributing in some way shape or form And so I would say jump in and go to your nearest meeting. That's what I did when I got to Colorado and went to a meetup. Five days in, I went to a cannabis meetup and boom, you meet one person and they'll connect you to the next and next and next. And just be consistent because the hemp industry is so up and down and there's a lot of phoniness and um, there's, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of claims that maybe aren't uh, followed through on where if someone has been in the industry for even a year or two, they put up a little bit of a guard because they understand all the bullshit. So even if you're not really getting the welcoming reaction you're wanting from someone, just continue to like be you and be genuine. Don't be fake. Right. Don't lie. Don't make claims that aren't true. And there's no way you can't be respected. You Just step up as a good member of the community. Be real. Don't lie. Don't act pretentious in this industry. Yeah. You know who I think the most pretentious people that I've experienced so far are the chemists. If there's someone who has the knowledge of how to make products right or help with extraction, they seem to have this chip on their shoulder. But everybody else in the industry I found are very welcoming and and helpful. That's the only segment that I found that seems to have this little little niche to them. But growers, processors, I I met, uh, you said you had a uh, friend of yours, Danny Fontaine, Uh right? Uh, right? I met her in Albany. Uh-huh. She would have given me the world of information if I had had the time that day, yeah. which was phenomenal. Yeah, and here she's, she's awesome. one of the leaders in Colorado. Like she would have just spewed out information. Uh, but then I talked to a chemist, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago that you know I thought I was a little child talking on the phone. Like, like, sir, like I'm an adult here. Like, look, can we talk like on an even level mm-hmm. here. I don't understand why you're acting like you're ten times better than me right now. Like, I don't. I wouldn't want to work with you if I had to right now. Like. Um, do you see that a lot of Colorado or most people nice? I think most people are nice. <laughs> that's good to hear. Because I think, I think that's just New York. <laughs> no, that was a Colorado guy, bro. Um, so I would say that in regards to like uh, more like the chemist side of things and like the scientists, um, I think maybe they just kind of get annoyed at the same time in their own 
for their own reasons because a lot of people don't know what they're talking about. So I agree with that. Yeah. You've got people jumping in and creating this brand and farming and don't know what the hell they're doing and maybe the chemist is just annoyed. I don't know. No, that could be it. That's a, that's a fair point. Um, so I take a lot of time. You have a long drive ahead of you. We've talked about your life. We've talked about talked, your, yeah. your family. We've talked about your work. Uh, the other thing that I love to talk about on this podcast, which you kind of talked about, was exercise and fitness, right? And you were an Irish dancer as a kid. Mm-hmm. That was some serious discipline. And I am like like bowing to you right now because I know oh, thank you. that, yeah, so my, my neighbors were, were Irish dancers and I'm, I'm well aware of how tough that is. Do you um, know at school? Not off the top of my head. Okay. No, uh, the Mackays is the name of the family, uh, but uh, their their father was one of the original captains of the Roger Zenas uh, soccer team this year. Oh, okay. uh, he was directly from Scotland, so oh. they're all right from Scotland off the boat, so they're, their kids were the first generation here. Um, and BJ Mackay was my next door neighbor, so her two daughters and, and their extended family. So I know the discipline it takes, and I'm like, I can't do it. I, I love to dance. That's one dance I look like a fool if I even try. <laughs> like, like, tell me about your Irish dancing. Do you still work out now or dance now? Tell, tell me what you do. Yeah, so shape, I so. started dancing when I was four, and I stopped around age 16. So I was in Binghamton, and then I think it was like eight, around that age, that a new school had came in. They were... Um, it was founded in Rochester. They started a branch in Syracuse, and for whatever reason, they started a branch in Binghamton. And so this was known as like the, a, like a really good dance school that was coming to Binghamton, and um, it was competitive. So as soon as I jumped over, I started, you know, upping my game. It became more competitive, and I got a couple of spots on um, the for going to the worlds. So there were a couple, yeah, figure dances deal. that. I got into and our um, practices were in Rochester and Syracuse. So every Sunday I drove up to practice in Rochester and then there were a lot of times on like Wednesdays or for the full weekend that I was there, always traveling basically every weekend for dance. Um, and it's it's a very interesting um, culture. It is hard, Irish dance is hard. and the culture is very interesting and it is that age of 16 where I don't know, it starts to get a little awkward it's like if you're going on to be a professional that's super cool serious dedication you know like any other major athlete like that's your life but it's starting to get a little weird if you're not like a pro and you're like still competing and stuff so that ended and I remember thinking, like, I would never be an adult and, like, be an Irish dancer unless I was a pro. But here I am. I'm now 31. And I have seen some, like, adult Irish dancing classes in Fort Collins. And I'm like, I actually think I'm going to join that. I think it would be really fun. And I now see how elderly, like, in elderly. <laughs> anyone over the age of... I love it. Anyone over the age of 16 um, enjoyed it. And I just... It was a weird perspective. But I've, I've changed that perspective. And mm-hmm. so that's where I'm at now. And it's yeah. It's when you get to different ages how things look differently. Like, yeah, look exactly. Right? Like, wow, that's a cool outlet for yeah, like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, what do I do now? I, I hit the gym. That's kind of like I'm traveling so much Mm -hmm. that I would say that I'm not the healthiest right now with exercise. And what I do is the gym, early morning gym sessions. Mm -hmm. So long as it's something, right? It's just about about getting the heart rate up. Mm -hmm. 
thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks Is there so much. anything I haven't asked you that you would want to get out to people? Jeez. Like, uh, get your social media, please. Anybody, how people can find you um, to follow your story or to see what you got going on. Anything you have to pass on to people, I'd love to yeah. help you share. Well, thank you so much for having me. I feel like you you said that I was basically just going to sit here and talk about me. And I feel like that's all I've done. It's just so thank you very much for opening this up. And yeah. it's been nice to kind of reflect in you know, my home state and being up here in Rochester. Actually, I have family up here too. Um, and so if there's something that, you know, I want to pass along, it is that this, if, if you've got all your eggs in the CBD industry, I don't think that, especially if you haven't been in the game for a significant amount of time, I don't know if it's, um, gonna last for you long term I would really look at dual crops tri crops how can you get involved in the fiber industry um, I would say you know don't be disrespectful to the plant it was it was made illegal for its power you know for many reasons and now that it's becoming legal again just don't be one of the people that gets in the way and disrespects and i think dis disrespecting is just coming in and trying to make a dollar and not being part of the community and not stepping up in ways that you could if you're trying to create profit off the, the plant, make sure you're giving back to the plant and the community. Give back to the plant, and if you're gonna make products from this plant, make products that really benefit people, not mm -hmm. just that you're making products to say, I put something out the door, right? It's about this will work, or this could help, or this could change or impact your life positively, mm -hmm. right? And with all of its ways to overturn the toxicity of the world, you know, look at how you're doing your packaging and your processing, what is your carbon footprint, print look like when you're going to a conference are you handing them a hemp business card or is it a plastic card um you know really just being conscious as much as you can that's what this plant does it just continues to or make no you card. yeah or, or no, no card, card. you actually like physically pass phone numbers and spend an extra minute and talk to somebody like yeah you forbid, you pass well he's got the numbers. apps now where you can tap phones mm -hmm. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah that's a good idea, yeah, too. Yeah, conferences. Um, so, yeah, and I would say, you know, take a deeper look at organic farming and regenerative agriculture and the ways that you, if you're going to grow, like, how can you really be a um, an assist to the health of the planet? And you mentioned this before. I, I want to touch a little, expound a little more, because Zach Sarkis was on with us a couple episodes ago, and he had a passionate, passionate... Um, uh, talk about agriculture around the world and how bad it is yeah uh and, and you've mentioned this twice now so i know this must be some passion expound mm -hmm. on why you bring that up twice like why what is it that you see that's so bad yeah well we've got the the dairy industry the meat industry um then just conventional farming in general it's all gmo it's pesticides it's disgusting i mean it's literally a toxic poison that's going in so much of this food these processed foods um, you've got Roundup going, you know, just like it's really nasty. And if you were to grow regeneratively, you know, you're healing the soil. So you're pulling out those toxins. Um, you're giving back to the earth in a, a positive cycle versus ruining it. And you're then taking a product that's going into someone's body or someone's wearing it on their body. And they, um, they're, they're not being injected with toxins and heavy metals and the pesticides. So, um, you know, the, the conventional farming, farming and the whole, the, the pesticide side of things, GMO is just GMO crops. It's just like 
literally that's one of the biggest killers on this planet right now Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the biggest things with climate change and so if we can change the way that we move forward with hemp and not have it be this gmo industry then you know we're in we're in like good standing we're moving forward yeah quick story this year a friend of mine his family lives in missouri uh so they have a cattle farm uh, and they raised, so I bought a grass-fed, steroid-free, hormone-free steer. Um, my grandmother is the most pickiest meat eater in the world. She's already called me four times for more ground beef from this beef, and another chuck roast and arm roast was ordered yesterday when I went over there. Um, there is something to be said about properly raised meat, or, and it's not being done in these in these factories where we're, we're putting out lots and lots of food for lots and lots of people. It's not no. healthy for people. And it's amazing to me that the first time that I get this um, piece of beef, this full cow that comes to me, I got people begging me for the meat over and over and over. They all were like trying to be nice to take it from me originally. Now they're coming back over and over. They don't really want to go to Wegmans or any of these stores anymore to get this meat. They want to get it from me for the rest of the year. Um, I never thought that would happen. Like my family thought it was nuts to even buy the steer until they tasted the meat. So for you to do sale this stuff, um, I've seen it myself visually now and I felt it. Um, I've been an Ironman, uh, two-time Boston Marathoner, 18-year triathlete. I've eaten all over the board, never thought about, and now I'm exercising at least than I ever am, but I feel like I'm more healthier because I'm really paying attention to what I eat and what I put in my body. Mm-hmm. And that's such a big piece of it. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, enough of us aren't talking about agriculture in the whole world and really why it's bad, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd love that you expounded on that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. For uh, sure. Anything else before we end this wonderful session? I don't, yeah, so you can find me on social media, Kate Curley, C-A-I-T-C-U-R-L-E-Y. I'm on most of the uh, social media platforms and you can follow my journey there and kind of hear my preaching and uh, follow along with where the industry is going and what I'm doing and yeah. I appreciate you. I, I hope maybe to see you out at the NOCO show out there. Yeah. The, the hemp, uh, the, um, NOCO hemp expo. expo. Thank yeah. you. The NOCO hemp expo. Hope we get out there. Yeah. Uh, to one. see you. And, and if not, I hope you touch base when you come back to New York because we'd love to have you here uh, and on again and, and hear about more what's going on in the industry. Because I have a feeling there's a lot of changes this year. So we'll yeah. have on to talk about this. And, and 2020, man. Yeah. 2019. I'm, I'm going to have to say that as a year for hemp, I don't know if it was one of our best years. Um, but I believe it was a year we needed to have to move forward. Um, there was some mixed legislation out there, right? But, but I think we are going in the right direction. So uh, I hope I'm on board with you with your optimism to say I think we're, you know, there's going to be some roller coaster ride, but uh, I think it's going to be good for all of mm-hmm. us. So. Yeah, onward. Onward, upward. Well, thank you, Kate. You have a wonderful drive. Thank you. Aiden, thank you for bringing her in. Aiden, once again, took care of us. He's been on our episode a couple times mm-hmm. now, and he brings in a wonderful guest like Kate uh, within the industry, so we will definitely have to reward him. <laughs> All right, you guys have a good day, and we will see everybody at the next episode.